um, often, especially if we're working with senior leaders of business on a day to day basis, they're already thinking many steps ahead. They need to be. It's part of their, their job. But often the stakeholders, whether that's internal stakeholders, external stakeholders, are not yet there. And so leaders will often get bored of saying the same thing over and over again. But it doesn't mean the audience has got bored of listening to it. Repetition really is the key and welcome to another episode of communicating purpose i'm john higginson and i believe that the best way to get a message across clearly is by talking about something you honestly and passionately believe in By doing so, you bring people with you. Your passion becomes theirs, and I call this the power of purpose. On today's episode, I'm joined by Gareth Mead. Gareth is Chief Communications and Sustainability Officer at Lipton, one of the world's oldest and most recognisable producers of tea. At Lipton, Gareth is responsible for implementing Lipton's sustainability strategy, as well as communicating why this is so important to their business. Amongst the measures Lipton has taken to ensure its tea is good for people and the planet is planting over 370,000 trees on Lipton Estates using more than 97% renewable energy and taking steps to improve its treatment of waste water. Before joining Lipton, Gareth worked at Virgin Media, Uber and DSM, a purpose-led chemical manufacturing company. Gareth has also been involved in the Unfold movement, working with business leaders to positively shape the role of business in the world. Gareth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Hey, John. Great to be with you. Great. Well, look, I know that you've only been at Lipton for a very short amount of time, but could you just tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as a Brit, I was familiar for many years with Lipton whilst traveling overseas, but actually this company nurtures 36 different brands around the world, iconic brands. Uh, probably the ones that your listeners will be most familiar with include Pucker and uh, and my personal favorite, Peachy Tips. In fact, one of my earliest memories was taking a great sense of satisfaction in making my parents a cup of Peachy Tips, you know, um, being allowed to take them something with boiling hot water. And I don't think I left the tea bag in long enough, but that's a different matter. It was a sense of achievement at that early age. Um, and I don't know about you, but I grew up with with builders tea, you know, PG tips, lots of milk, lots of sugar. And now I get to be part of this tremendous company. Um, and I describe us as like a 150 year old startup. You know, Thomas J. Lipton started this company a long, long, long time ago. But we only became an independent business just over a year ago, separating from from Unilever and becoming our own standalone business as Lipton Teas and Infusions. And in that sense, we are you know, the world's largest producer of tea, uh, selling businesses, selling brands all around the world that uh, your listeners will be familiar with wherever they they travel from T2 in Australia through to Bushels, through to uh, Redleaf and many others. So why is it so important that your customers know about Lipton's purpose? I just want to address something really important at the core of your question here, which is, I think, we've all seen in different parts of the world a vocal pushback against ESG and and claims of wokeism and questioning whether businesses should be pursuing certain agendas. Look, there's no doubt the purpose of business is to is to make money, but there is no success in a world that fails. 
responsible business, because that's ultimately what we're talking about here, is about ensuring there is long term success. If we if we start with with social issues, you know, um, talent is scarce and it's not solely the attribute of any particular demographic. So why wouldn't you as a business want to have the best possible talent living their best possible true selves? When it comes to the environment, I guess I'm in a, a fortunate position at, at Lipton Teas and Infusions in that he is uh, the second best after tap water when it comes to the environmental impact. So not only do you get something that's enjoyable and, and healthy for you, but it is also a great uh, environmentally friendly product. But our business is ultimately relying on nature, the sunshine that uh, helps our crops to grow, the soil in which they, uh, the tea plants grow in, all contributes to the flavour of the tea, the terroir, for those of you who are familiar with, with wine, tea is exactly the same. We need nature, we need environment. And so therefore any business that doesn't take its, its responsibilities seriously um, is going to be a business that ultimately doesn't have uh, much of a long-term future. And consumers are increasingly demanding this and employees, both existing and potential employees, are also expecting it of, of their companies. So it's not about uh, greenwashing, it's not about uh, about wokeism, it's about real genuine business and, and that requires all businesses to have a purpose. Great. Now I mentioned a you've got a very um, strong career and I've mentioned some brands that people will have heard of such as Virgin Media and Uber. Can you just tell me Tell me about a significant moment that you've had in your career where you've felt actually I've made a really great breakthrough here. I've got my message across. I want to refer back to a good few years ago now at Virgin Media. And I had the great pleasure of, of working with Richard Branson for, for many years. And he talks about purpose beyond profit, which is a mantra that I've, I've lived my career by. And it came from an insight that um, Richard, as an entrepreneur himself, had, as he will openly admit, um, many privileges that a lot of people don't necessarily in, enjoy. Yet entrepreneurial talent was being lost in the UK um, because of circumstance. If you don't come from uh, a certain type of background, you may not have the educational advantages, you certainly may not be able to have access to raising funds as easily when you have a fantastic idea. And the internet is an incredible leveller. And we, through Virgin Media, established what started out to be a peer-to-peer -peer network for young entrepreneurs, chiefly from disadvantaged backgrounds, to connect them with expertise, uh, people like Richard, you know, opening his uh, Rolodex to give business mentorship to, to people that um, would otherwise not have that opportunity to help shape their own business ideas. And they could be grand, uh, but they could also be quite small. Uh, but the idea was, if you've got a great business, let's give you the conditions in which you can flourish. And it started out from there. Um, and what we quickly heard from this community was that even when they have the foundations of a good business or they have a great business case that the funding just wasn't wasn't there and the argument was that the the country is prepared to invest through student loans in people to go to university to study business to become business 
leaders. But then when it comes to actually starting a business, there wasn't that foundation there. And we, through them, really started to work with uh, stakeholders across the UK and ultimately talking to government to say, how can we make a difference in this? And the Startup Loans uh, Foundation, which was established, I think, nearly over a decade ago now, um, was was the genesis of this idea of giving young people who may not have other uh, opportunities a small starting sum of money on equivalent terms to, to going to university to be able to create new businesses. And I think for me, why that stands out is firstly because of the impact that it had. I mean, over the years, that scheme has grown and scaled and is helping more and more people. But ultimately, it was authentic to what Virgin Media was all about. It was all about connectivity, bringing people together, using the power of the internet to really uh, catapult uh, entrepreneurial talent. And of course, with Richard and the Virgin name, what better way than uh, than entrepreneurship as being uh, at the heart of what we could we could deliver? So, as a business, it made sense. Uh, as a uh, as a purpose, as a as an impact that we could have on the country the the ripples from that continue to this day and it's something that i think any business when it's looking at the authenticity of where it can really make a difference examples like that and, and what the team had achieved really stand out to me great have you got any examples of um when something hasn't quite landed as well as you'd have uh, liked because um for all of us that work in communications we are competing against every story that goes on in 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 the world aren't we and 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 we never quite know if we work work in earned media if it's going to land uh, quite as well or if it's going to get blown off the pages give us an example where it hasn't quite done as well as you would have liked <laughs> oh there are there are many examples where uh, maybe something has happened in the wider world and your perfectly laid plans don't come to to fruition but i think uh, if i can take a step back for to, for one moment and look at what happened at, at Lipton Teas and Infusions earlier this year. So at the beginning of the year, some months before I, I joined, and, and many of your, your listeners would be familiar with, um, there was a BBC panorama investigation into the working conditions of, of people in tea plantations around the world. And as the world's largest uh, tea company, uh, Lipton Teas and Infusions was a part of that story. I think why this is important and and why this stands out to me is that it really helped both the organization, the company, but also wider society realize that a tea bag at, at two pence on average, um, how can that be sustainable when there are so many people contributing to getting that great quality tea onto the, the shelves? There has to be a reassessment of what we value, what we value as as society, what we value as as companies, and how can we raise the bar so that all people benefit? And we talk about at Lipton Teas and Infusions, we talk about creating value for all, uh, a mutual value creation, if you will, and that means uh, ensuring that the consumer sees the value in the product, whether that's investing in better blends, investing in the technology that produces the the tea. Um, we've just relaunched PG Tips in the UK, which I'm super excited about. Uh, 
and it includes a, a square tea bag. After all those years of talking about pyramid tea bags, we've now gone back to square because right. we've found a way that the, the tea can infuse better. All of this is about driving value for the consumer so that we can then return that value to all parts of the value chain. Now, your original question is about when communications goes wrong or where things don't go as you as you would hope. Of course, we would far rather never had that BBC Panorama investigation. But what it has done has triggered a movement to really change the working conditions and the lives of the 13 million people around the world who are contributing to the tea industry. So being upfront, taking ownership of the issue, we may only be a new company and we have a legacy that we have inherited that we need to deal with, but really taking ownership of that means that I think even in the worst cases of, of communications, there are there are things to learn from and how can we make uh, change and make progress even when uh, things are not as we would prefer them to be. Right, okay. Well, well, well look, I think, as you're saying that you would have preferred for that BBC panorama not to have exposed that, but actually for those tea pickers, it sounds like it's quite useful for them. Uh, are you talking about um, the fact that that they get paid more as a result of that of that journalism, and 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 also that we as tea drinkers should just accept paying a bit more for a tea bag? Two p for a tea bag is um, seems not quite reasonable. We should you know should we be doubling that in our mind how much should we be thinking that we should be paying for a tea bag that, that we get at home if we look at let's look at food and drink in general for decades we haven't priced in the externalities of the food and the drink that we eat there has been a rush to the bottom of producing sufficient food if we go back many decades how can we produce enough food to to sustain an ever-increasing population on this planet right so the rush has been to produce more and more and more as cheaply as possible and there are so many television programs whether it's on netflix or the bbc or elsewhere that talk about some of the the challenges that have crept in to the food and drinks industry as a consequence and whether that's environmental consequences social impact etc cetera, etc cetera. And the reality is today we are facing the, the consequences of that, whether that's through uh, climate change, whether that's through poor working conditions. And, and you know, that's all of the consumer goods that we consume as, as a society. If we can turn that around, if we can say that there is greater value in, in our case, in your tea bag, but whatever product that is, and that consumers really value and appreciate what has gone into that, then we can return that value and we can uplift workers and we can make a real difference for, for people around the world. Um, and whether that's in, in tea or the clothes that we wear or the electronics that we enjoy, um, really understanding, and I think companies have a, an obligation here to help consumers understand how does that product be made? How is that product made? then I think we can start to have really constructive conversations about the, the change that the world needs to see um, and that we are trying to uh, catalyze. Great. Um, well, that sounds very positive and, and, and we hope that, that consumers do uh, accept and respect that and, and that those tea pickers are getting better salaries um, and wages as, as a result of that. Just let's let's talk about that square tea bag then because that's uh, i'm sure lots of people will remember 
first Tetley's going round and uh, everyone everyone being told that if you have a round tea bag then it then it helps spread the uh, uh, flavour through your mug or cup and then pyramid as you say so what's what's the reason for going back to square is it is it because it's cheaper to do and it was actually it was just advertising and it didn't really do anything what's the what's the thinking you know the the science has evolved over the years and you wouldn't believe you know that tea uh, and you know we've been drinking it for years right uh we assume it's broadly the same actually there are millions of euros and millions of pounds going in year on year to improve and refine the tea that we drink around the world um and in the case of the shape of the the tea bag pyramids in theory make sense because they are a very strong shape in in nature they create a a a space for the 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 tea itself to circulate within the mug the reality is of course especially with plant-based uh packaging so that the tea bag itself being made of plant-based material is that it collapses in on itself it, it squishes yeah. and i don't know about you but i also used to do something which now i don't in the last few months since i've joined lipton teas and fusions i don't squish the tea bag against the side of the cup anymore no. you shouldn't be doing that no um, but that as a result because of the pyramid being squished the tea wasn't circulating as much the the new square shaped tea bag has been specially designed, specially constructed using plant-based materials to actually infuse the tea that much quicker. Uh, the new PG tips means that that brew, I talked about right at the very beginning, I didn't leave the tea bag in long enough. Brits are actually really bad at leaving the tea in long enough. It's supposed to be three to four minutes. And on average, we, we only leave it in for a minute. Uh, this new tea bag means that it speeds it up. So uh, a lot of innovation and a lot of investment has gone into making that difference. Okay. Well, look, I'm I'm sure I've got to ask on behalf of our uh, listeners then, how do you make the perfect cup of tea? <laughs> you know, I think ultimately it's all subjective. Everyone gets their own uh, their own approach. But one of the things that I found really interesting was this debate around whether the milk goes in first or last. Yeah. And I uh, have been told, uh, and I, my understanding of it is that the reason why people put milk in first was because back in the day. The, the china was relatively fragile. So if you put the hot drink in first, there's a high risk of the cup breaking. So the tea uh, going in after the milk was meant to, to make it a, a better experience. Actually, these days, I think uh, it doesn't really matter too much. And it's all about personal preference. So uh, each to their own. And I'm, I'm personally uh, uh, expanding my, my palate and my tea repertoire with all of the different herbal teas as well. So everyone's right. got their own, uh, their own approach. Well, that is a very diplomatic response there, Gareth, sitting on the fence. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> um, do you do you heat up your mug at this time of year? We are in cold December. Do you do you, do you pour a bit of boil, boiling water in there to heat up the mug or not? Oh, that's a nice little tip. Absolutely. Make sure it's yeah. uh, nice and warm. Uh, it'll uh, speed up the, uh, the brew and also keep your hands warm, too. Good. OK, so milk in. I'm going to take that as milk in second because we now have China that that that, that can tolerate boiling water. Uh, and you said three to four minutes on that tea bag, so you've you've heard it here for first from the uh, head of sustainability for Lipton Tea, um, Gareth. Where do you get your own what? Where do you get your own news from? What what uh, media do you read, listen to, or watch? So I think the the disaggregation of media over recent years has led to a proliferation of different 
outputs and there's a real risk of being in a in a bubble of your own uh, your own media i've been living now in in the netherlands for almost a, a decade and although my dutch is pretty bad uh, i've still tried to expand my uh, my reach to to reading publications here in the netherlands thank you google translate uh, mm-hmm. but really trying to see the the whole spectrum of of what's interested i mean it's instilled in everyone that works in communications right one of the first things you do open the newspaper really understand not just the stories but the context in which the stories are, are produced i think digitally we've lost some of that because people will be guided by google or some other service in order to to see the article that you're particularly interested in you lose some of the the context but so the more you can read and the more sources you can uh, you can appreciate the the better it will be and just going back to what i was saying about the the criticism around esg and and the purpose of of businesses the more you read uh, the more you will appreciate and understand maybe the thinking behind some of those attacks and 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 where these people are are coming from such that you can address that better in your own working uh, environment and with the businesses that you you operate in um, and for that that makes us better communicators great and what have you found as as one of the best mediums for communicating messages one of the most overlooked channels is actually direct to to consumer um, and I'll refer to my Uber days in in this. Back uh, the years that I was working uh, with Uber, we had over two and a half million regular users of the service in London alone. And the reach was incredible. And our ability to talk to consumers directly um, uh, was incredibly powerful. You know, I'm an ex-journalist. I spent eight years at the BBC and I'm happy to say that the media is an imperfect filter. They will always have a perspective um, and will always uh, challenge in a way that may not enable companies to best put their their case across. And so being able to talk to people directly and be on the front foot and explain what you're trying to achieve allows people to make up their own minds. Um, Social media I would have said a few years ago has helped with that. I think today uh, many social media platforms are a cesspit of misinformation and negativity such that the cut through becomes very, very difficult. Um, so finding new do you, routes. Do you want to name any names quickly. there? Do you want to name any uh, particular types of social media there? Are we talking <laughs> think... about the the uh, the the um, former social media formerly known as Twitter? <laughs> I don't really know what is the name. This Look, any platform has its own challenges, and it's not just X. Uh, right. It's X Y Z. <laughs> right, okay. Good. What do you um, What do you do to de-stress yourself? <laughs> wow, that's a really good question. Um, one of the challenges of working in global business, which many of your listeners will, will experience, is, is time zones stretch the day a lot. And uh, especially when I was working at Uber with my uh, my direct boss um, being in California, meant that you would wake the de- wake up and the first thing you do is you check your, your mobile phone and, and see how many emails or how many messages there had been overnight. And one of the things that I've taken on board 
learning from my my mentor at that time and and still stays with me to this day is to try and avoid that if possible really properly wake up spend time with your loved ones spend time for yourself um that first thing in the morning make sure you're rested well have a good cup of tea uh but then engage um with with work otherwise you're immediately your brain is starting to churn straight away on solutions or addressing challenges etc um, and you haven't really given yourself that that moment so for for me that one change made a tremendous difference to my ability to manage stress yeah i think that's really good advice so just do not look at your phone first the first thing in the morning when you when you wake up and i think for as you say people that work in communications that's very hard to do um um, and also making sure that you don't look at your phone last thing before you go to bed as well because otherwise as you say it's that whole day is stretched to you know 16 17 hours um just just in in your thought process you might think well i'm not dealing with it now uh, but uh, it's certainly something that i uh, try and uh, advise my own staff to do at, at, at my own communications agency and say look let's just work really hard for the hours that we're working but unless something's really urgent let's not work out of hours and you know you're not expected to be looking at those emails out of hours um, and I think that's really really important advice talking about advice what one piece of advice would you give yourself at the start of your career <laughs> um there's a lot of talk uh, around communications and the craft and the art of, of what good communication looks like and I stumbled across uh, a scientific formula for good communication not so long ago and it really resonated with me and there are complications to it but the thing that really stood out is how important simplicity we should all know that how important simplicity is but also repetition um, often, especially if we're working with senior leaders of business on a day to day basis, they're already thinking many steps ahead. They need to be. It's part of their, their job. But often the stakeholders, whether that's internal stakeholders, external stakeholders are not yet there. And so leaders will often get bored of saying the same thing over and over again. But it doesn't mean the audience has got bored of listening to it. Repetition really is the key and you only know you've achieved cut through when people are starting to parrot those messages back to you um, so no matter how tempting it is to go chasing the new exciting thing really have the discipline find creative new ways to say it of course but really having that message discipline and sticking with it much much longer than you may have anticipated um, is uh, is really the key to to change and really getting your message across Gareth Mead, Chief Communications and Sustainability Officer at Lipton. You've been talking to me, John Higginson, on Communicating Purpose, which this week has been produced by Joe Leonard Waters. Thanks. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.